Broadcasting from occupied Tongwa land in Long Beach, California. This is Wait, Why Am I Talking Podcast. This is Jordan, and today we have something a little bit different than usual. Uh, we're going to be interviewing someone you might know, Vic, uh, who recently was invited to the Labor Notes uh, conference in Chicago uh, mm-hmm. to give a speech. So we wanted to sit down with Vic a little bit and uh, pick his brain about that, because that's pretty exciting. What up, comrades? Uh, I'll give you my understanding of what Labor Notes is, and you could like look it up mm. and get like the official... Uh, you know what their plan is and what their like mission statement is because from my understanding labor notes i found out about them like last year during the iatsi strike authorization vote right oh really yeah that's the first time i've ever heard of them and i'm trying to remember did they reach out to you to write an article or i'm trying to remember what yeah that was way afterwards like a few months before that Mm. uh while all the strike things were going on I heard about them on Sam Cedar, uh, one of their reporters, uh, was on a podcast that I listened to. So mm. I uh, looked them up and I subscribed. So they're like an online, they're like a magazine? Yes. Cool. Online magazine, a labor magazine. And they have, That's and dope. They actually, no, excuse me. It's not only online. There's actually a print publication. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. That comes out. Uh huh. Yeah, it's definitely more um, labor focused. It's mm. that's exactly all like they do. That's their whole beat, pretty much. Oh, uh-huh. so I I read that there was like several thousand people at this conference in Chicago. Is that true? Yeah, there was about four thousand people, and oh. there were people from all across the planet. There were people from Brazil, a lot of people from South America, from the global south. Mm. We had interpreters, Spanish, Portuguese. French. There were people from the Caribbean there and all over the United States from all over the United States, different unions. So what the conference was, it was a series of different workshops. So um, let's say, for example, we had educators from like the Northeast and they came down and their workshop was like, how did we run a digital media campaign? Hmm. Yeah. So to take over their union, they ran first. There were a couple of classes, different workshops. Part of it was like how to run a campaign. Yeah, and that one was crazy because for a union campaign, they put out mailers, they made campaign videos, they got endorsements from other people in the union, from retired people in the union. Wow! They assembled their pictures. This was this was to take over their their local to take over their local. What um, which union was this again? This was a teachers union in Boston. There were wow. so, and this is what labor notes uh, is cool because it takes all the unions and the skills that the different leaders got by taking over their union. And this is where I get to come to the workshop and take notes. Oh, see how I'm going to take over my union. So you were able to actually attend some of those workshops. And stuff. Oh yeah, totally. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Uh, Saturday was a pretty busy day for me. That's when I was doing my speech and facilitated a couple of different panels mm. and facilitated a panel and I was on a panel. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, so was, like, what, what did they invite you to speak about at the conference? Uh, my trajectory from, like, Bernie to the lockdown, then from the lockdown, organizing within my union about uh, DEI issues and transforming, like, that George Floyd moment from my union getting into a position within my union and now when the strike authorization vote came around 
using some of the same skills and relationships I built through my organizing about DEI mm. to show them now we need to phone bank and this is how you phone bank because we have to phone bank our membership tell them about the strike authorization vote so and they sent out a script and i was like i rewrote the script and replied all to be like that's not a script this is a script mm. and they were they saw the value in what i did and they were asking me questions and i was leading the team and the phone banking team and also um this is where uh, labor notes comes in again uh jonah Furman from labor notes and he's also with jacobin I, I was on the Dick podcast, which is like the labor part of Jacobin. Yeah, yeah. And it was Jonah Furman from Labor Notes and Alex Press, and they interviewed me about basically, uh, again, my trajectory through all that. Mm. And the people at Labor Notes heard that podcast oh. and invited me to speak. Got it. It's, uh, once it starts, it starts to roll down. <laughs> yeah. It's like a ball rolling down, a snowball rolling down a hill. It, it gets, you know, once you start to becoming more visible like that, it seems like you get a lot more calls, you know? Yeah, like, yeah definitely. Weirdly. And like, I mean, I you guess know, it makes sense. Like, yeah, you're more accessible, right? You're not just a random union person that doesn't have a, it's hard to get a hold of, you know, and find out what you're doing. It's not only that, it's fucking doing exactly what we're doing right now. Yeah. Being able to talk on the microphone about these ideas and express myself and think them through. And we do notes, we do research on all these issues. And how much did we talk about 2020 and the uprising and the planning? Forget podcasts. How much face to face Zoom meetings did we do that summer? That six months of organizing. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, Nobody yeah. was working. We yeah, were just yeah. doing that, you know? Right, right. And those built up a lot of people, right? And those relationships and those skills helped me put the town hall for my union when it came the reckoning. When every institution was like, you know, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, but what mm. does that really mean? Because I know you recently joined. You said DEI, that's diversity and equity, diversity, equity, and outreach with DEO. But oh, yeah, okay. same, same bag. Because I know you recently joined your union's committee on that, right? Yes. Mm. And it's because of the work I did for the town hall. Oh. Yes. Okay. And the way I got the town hall going, I reached out to some organizer friends who happened to be Hollywood producers, and they put me in contact with their friends. Basically, I hit up some black people I knew, and they put me in contact with some other black people I knew. And I mm. got this black person who's a producer in front of my union to tell them, there's no black people here <laughs> <laughs> in the union or in Hollywood, uh, in the sound, uh, my local is local oh. six, nine, five. I actually, and yeah, that's sound. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't realize it was sound specific, sound specific. Like my mm -hmm. union, it turned out after like that reckoning in 2020 by doing like a, you know, a DIY headcount, we found out our union's like 80% white male. Hmm. And that's the problem. And yeah. They, the leadership saw that as a problem. How about, how many members is in about 2000? Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of people, right? That's not small. That's like a lot, especially for Hollywood sound mixer. Like, and the fact that it's 80% white guys, I mean, it's not, a I don't know. Yeah. I guess it's not surprising. It's but not it's, surprising, it's, but it, like, but it's a little shocking. I guess. 
Yeah, yeah. man. It is. It definitely is. It definitely is. And I definitely have to give my union props for addressing the issue, for taking it head on. Because right. they could have said nothing. Yeah, like a lot of, not just unions, but right? a lot of places Exactly. Do. Exactly. So they reached out to the socialists amongst them mm. to be like, yo, what do we do? And, you know, guided them through this, that, you know, it's a little whatever identity politics. But that was always my goal is, yeah, I'm the black guy in the union. Okay, cool. And if that helps me get into a position where people are listening to me, where I could try to direct the ship, that's even better. Like, I don't care how I got there. I know what I'm doing. Mm. I'm not out there caping for black capitalists. You know, the values stay the same. It's funny you say that because uh, I've, at least, it seems like after the George Floyd uprisings, of course, um, unfortunately, uh, there was no effect on police funding. No. Uh, <laughs> despite what Democrats will crow about, uh, no defunding of the police happened, despite what cops say. But it seems like there was a large cultural shift to um, push in good ways and in bad when it comes to black capitalism, right? Um, diversity and equity stuff. So it seems like, I don't know, it just seems like two years ago you wouldn't have said, if I can get in there because I'm black, what you just said about being able to... Oh, that yeah, gives you like a exactly. platform rather than like <laughs> being told to shut up. You know, if that makes oh, sense. It's not More even, often. dude. Okay. I wish somebody in my union would, in a union meeting a couple of years ago, would be like, yo, Vic, shut up. Yeah. No, dude. Crickets. Mm. Like, imagine a room full of 400 people. Mm. I just gave them all an ear beating about current history yeah. and how we're not aligned with what's going on with current history and what other unions are doing locally mm. and because of that it's not going to bode well for workers and yo this is capitalism crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis y'all mm. so we need to get behind Bernie because he's going to like try to like do something about this and you just get silence silence not even shut up Vic not even be quiet Vic Ooh. not even Joe Biden Vic not even yeah. like no we want Hillary Vic like literal yeah. like you could hear a pin drop in the room it's i guess it's easier to write you off with no reaction like not even a coherent not even exactly. responding to right like exactly homie apathy and also dismissal yes incredible yes and just like a thank you Vic. and then we move on <laughs> thanks for thank you for your comment wow. uh-huh yeah exactly dude exactly robert's rules talk about robert's rules fucking intensified yeah uh-huh so you feel like that's I know you're doing this DEI committee and stuff, but you you feel like a bit of the ice has been broken on that now? Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. At least in the local. Yeah, in the local. People for are sure. more interested in like actually participating, I guess, not just on, on black liberation, but also just like political struggle in general, right? Yeah. Funny you say that about uh, black liberation. Uh, to bring it back to, that was like the way I ended my speech. Hmm was about black liberation and because yo again history materialism yo seven this is some research i just like i knew it but i didn't know the exact numbers uh black folks used to vote for republicans right because the democrats never did shit for them right period and then after the new deal 75 percent of black people stopped voting for democrats i mean stopped voting for republicans and switched over to Democrats. Right. That's the biggest historical shift 
we've seen from a demographic in United States history. Mm. Why did that happen? It wasn't cultural. It wasn't because the Democrats got fucking popular. Because the New Deal gave people shit, changed people's material conditions. Right? Right. That's not, again, that's not my opinion. That's a demographic shift. That's what happened. And again, how did the New Deal happen? Socialists, anarchists, unions were giving the capitalists hell. And the, and the New Deal was the capitulation to those pressures. So therefore, the liberation of black people in this country, historically, has only come when socialists, unions, and anarchists, multicultural fucking union, multicultural coalition, get together hmm. and give the system hell. That's, again, that's not my opinion. That's what I determined from the shit that I've read. It's funny you say that because I really seems so obvious by comparison, but it, the, the history of the great uh, realignment is so buried. The fact that it even happened, really, the switch, the switch in parties, but also the the material conditions of the New Deal that underlined that. I, yeah. I guess it's just because it, it feels like there's such a prevailing idea in liberal culture that because Democrats have been so unable to and unwilling to deliver anything for 50 years, it's like the fact, the idea that black people magically voted for them because uh, I guess like Northerners and Democrats in general were like nicer to black people. I guess this is kind of like a load of shit. I guess how I think of that, right? No, nah, it's a complete load like, of shit. Complete lack of material analysis. Exactly, exactly. But the way you put it is very thought provoking and quite obvious in hindsight. Of like, yeah, it was because of the New Deal and like a lot of people. Uh huh. And they brought in a lot of yeah. working class people. And the New Deal wasn't perfect. The right. New Deal was fucking racist as fuck. It had different like different class structures in it race structures if you weren't in a certain race and certain class you didn't get access to certain loans in certain neighborhoods for real yeah, yeah but again they wouldn't just switch for no fucking reason right it wasn't just pulling cultural lever levers exactly. about um exactly it wasn't a kunte cloth and kneeling yes and, uh, <laughs> excuse me <laughs> i think it's i think it's now. terrible vic that you would i know that's come on bad. man I you don't my bad. They kneeled with There's the kente no cloth. I'm trying to... The, the shit they do is so buffoonish. I, I have a hard time even, like, remembering it. Like, I think I blocked a lot of it out. <laughs> so, we're going to have Vic's uh, speech in a minute here, but I wanted to ask a few questions about um, the conference itself. So, mm -hmm. you said you attended some workshops and stuff, um, and you obviously ran into a few labor celebrities. I, I saw a photo of you with Chris Smalls. How did that come about? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, try not to hero worship. Try not to like... I like where this is going. And there were a couple different organizers. Every time he was around, we'd be like, hey, look, there's a line forming. Like, are we going to be those people waiting well, in there line? There was a line forming. Every time there was yeah, an man. opportunity, there was a line forming. Yeah. Strong personality. Uh-huh. Working class hero, man. True. Like... Did he wear, um, I know this isn't quite relevant, but I, he testified for a Congress, right? And didn't he wear, um, not Oakley's, but like the big ass sunglasses? Yeah. Uh-huh. Stunners. Yeah. I, I just love that. Yeah. Um, it's not off topic. His drip is part of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's part of the vanguard that mm. fucking, yeah, the left is cool. Yeah. You know what mm. I mean? Like, yeah. Working class shit is cool. Trying not dope. to. Trying yeah. to stand out rather than be bland. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yo, he's the best dressed motherfucker in there. 
This motherfucker had a wardrobe change in between speeches. So he gets up there. He has his drip on, right? And so when it's his turn to speak, he's wearing a different T-shirt and jacket on. I don't even know when he switched it up. Oh, my God. Because like when Bernie, I mean, when the other people were talking, he had a jacket on the back that said, eat the rich. Ah. Right? Mm -hmm. But when he came up to talk, when it was his turn, it was a totally different color coordination. <laughs> That's dope. I love that. You know what I mean? And a uh, bunch of crusty anarchists waiting in line trying to get in, get a oh. picture with them. Oh, <laughs> all wearing a black man <laughs> shirt or whatever anarchists wear. Yeah. Uh, so, like, every time there was a moment, uh, like, after he spoke, uh, I w- we would ask ourselves, like, are we going to be those people? Are we going to be those people? <laughs> and somebody else from Labor Notes, shout out to Courtney, uh, they were like, man, we got to do it. You know, we got to do it. Whatever. Yeah. And the last day, about to get an Uber to go get something to eat, and then I was going to the airport, mm. see Chris Smalls sitting right there in front of the Hyatt, just hanging out, waiting on Uber, or waiting on people, and, you know, a little line forms, and people are taking pictures. Mm. I make eye contact. He gives me a nod. And I'm realizing, yo, he's giving every single person time of day. Yeah. There's nobody, there's no rushed conversation. If this person wants to talk to him for five minutes, he's going to talk five minutes. This person wants to talk to him for 10 minutes, he's going to sit there and let the line get longer to give this one person their 10 minutes. It was wild. Classic, classic organizers. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no rushing, hey, pigs, hey, next pigs. Like, no, 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 everybody. Uh, Everybody. Because you know what? That makes him a better organizer just talking to people. Like, of course it does. Right. But the dude who slept at a bus stop for 11 days. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then finally, it dies down. Our Uber comes, and I'm just like, nah, I'm, we're going to wait back. Me and this other organizer, we're going to wait back, Nora, hmm. for my Oxy. So me and Nora are waiting in line, and guess who I see is Courtney rolling up. And I was like, Courtney, I see you. She's like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and we both got caught out there the last day. And yeah, Good we timing. waited in line. And got you, the picture. You could have almost missed it. <laughs> right? Could have almost missed it. So you you told me you would heard him on a radio show several yes. years ago? Uh-huh. The Michael Brooks. Michael Brooks show. Oh, right. Uh-huh. And he was talking about uh, organizing. He was, he was talking about organizing. Mm. Yo, um, this is after the Amazon leaked memo about we need to target Chris Smalls. We need to label him as inarticulate. We need to... This was after that? Two years ago? Yeah. Uh huh. This fight has been going on a lot longer than I thought. Yeah. Uh huh. And then it was COVID that set it off. Oh, right. They weren't even fighting for more money, dude. Right, 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 right. They were happy with how much they were making. Mm. It was just like, yo, early COVID. What happened to Bob? He didn't show up to work today. He got the COVID. Oh, okay. When is he coming back? He's not coming back. Yeah. Well, what happened to Jeff? Oh, Jeff's not coming back either. They're can we get a mask? Halfway there. Yeah. Can we get a mask? Oh, no mask. Get back to work. As as said by that was time, it, Doctor Anthony Fauci. Yo, made a mask. <laughs> straight up, that's all they were asking that's for for like some masks and shit. And they fired them. They fired them on the spot. Oh, so that really kicked things into high gear for the union drive. Exactly. And he was like, "Oh, word, it's like that." And mm. then, yeah, started organizing. And I heard him on the podcast. And on the podcast, he told Michael Brooks, "He's like, yo, um, it's not over." Um, hmm. I think I just need to like, you know, go read some books and organize. And that's what I'm going to go do. 
The other thing I wanted to ask about was I had read that there was a lot of Starbucks union people there. What was yes. that like? Uh, it's, it's surreal just thinking about it because even in the chapter in DSA Long Beach, they reached out to us mm. to just for support and just letting... You show up to their uh, union days, right? Yeah. I've been and, to a few of those where you mm -hmm. show up and you order Union Strong yeah. and then the manager is like, calls out the drink name and you're like, for who? Yeah. And then I heard it from them. They came back to the meeting and said, yo, that was solidarity. Like they huh. felt like people came in and gave them like a boost. Like, huh. It was. I'm glad they felt that way. Th exactly. So to hear that, to know that my little contribution, that's all I could do is like, hey, or donate through my Instagram and show up and order Union Strong. And it's like, yo, that means something. I have mm. the manager say that. And one of the lead organizers say that, yo, that means something. And that's like, oh, that's solidarity. And they were all over, all over Labor Note because they're unionizing at such a pace that like, when does it become, when does like the drip become a torrent? I don't know. But like, there's something happening and these people are young and again the chris smalls thing i don't care what theory you talk it doesn't matter what books you're reading it matters like how you organize hmm. and if these people are successful organizing against starbucks which have you heard some of the things this dude is saying yeah he famously <laughs> recently said right uh i will never engage with the union which is like that's one way to say you're, you're quitting. Isn't that illegal? <laughs> well, not only is it... Yeah, it, there's just the pesky National Labor Relations Act, you know, that thing that, to be fair, they've gotten away with violating for 50 years. But it's also it's also just funny because it's like, this is what CEOs do. They portray themselves so valuable. And then they're just like, what if I just stuck my head in the sand? Like, I'm just not going to negotiate with the union. It's like, Oh, they never thought of that, huh? The union's going right. to be like, oh, shit. <laughs> the CEO won't talk to us. Guess we'll give up. That's never been done before. Incredible. Yeah, like they've never... Like, come on, man. Like, honestly, like, it's pathetic. Tough it up. Hire the Pinkertons. Like, send them into a Starbucks. Something. Like, none of this coward, I'm not going to talk to the union stuff. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, and you could tell, like, they're serious. Right. They're serious. Like, you can't tell me making coffee ain't a skill. Yeah. You can't, as a coffee addict, I live on this shit, like, and I'm not the only one. Wow. That's, hey, honestly, it sounds like a really good, <laughs> a really awesome way to spend a couple of days in Chicago. Um, I'm glad we got to sit, to sit down and talk about it, because honestly, I, I learned more than I even, I thought going into this. Um, yeah, man. It's funny, we don't often interview our own hosts. Right? <laughs> Uh, that's really exciting, though. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you could share a little bit about the labor notes with us, and uh, for our listeners, uh, you could check out labornotes.com. Labornotes.com. Yes, go to labornotes.com. Sign up. Uh, it's pretty cheap. They send you. <laughs> it's a little bit. <laughs> the quality is higher than a zine, just the physical quality. <laughs> but it's the writing in there is top notch. I think I know a few people who would love to get a, a zine-like <laughs> yeah. thing in the mail every month. I think it's part of their labor organizing. Yeah, they I can name a few people that would enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, That's totally cool, part of their aesthetic. That's dope. Oh, and also, I do want to shout out, because, yo, I'm not like a DSA stan, but mm -hmm. I talk mad shit about DSA National, because 
that fucking DSA because master. Because it's the maw of hell that exactly. stared back at me. So, but what they what they did, and time tells the truth, Ewok. What do you mean? You know what Ewok is? No. Emergency Workplace Organizing Committee. Okay. Okay. Unite here and DSA National got together to make Ewok. Okay. And Ewok is what some of the Starbucks people use to unionize. Oh, it's like the guide? Guide, hmm. resources, live bodies on the other side of the line. Hmm. DSA staff. DSA. Our dudes. The staff. Interesting. It's, it's That's a, wild. I didn't know. Right there on the thing, it says this is a, a partnership between United. Uh, I think it's United here. You look up Ewok, E-W-O-C. I think it is United here because they're the ones that have been yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. All the workplace uh, organizing, yeah. And they had... Oh, my God. Yeah, it's right on the banner here. And they had the presence at <laughs> Labor your workplace. And, yo... Thinking of quitting, there's another option. Yo, this website is dope. DSA. Like, that's some... And when they first happened, I'm like, eh, we'll see what happens. Yo, a couple of years later, they're still here doing it. And that's a, the biggest socialist political organization in the United States actually doing something to help organized workplaces lots of people talk shit about dsa lots of people talk shit mm -hmm. but that's happening right there that that's is real and happening it's not just a fucking thing it's happening yeah it's cool that some local uh, starbucks folks use this yeah talk about a good intro i like it it really grabs your attention with like just like the, the, and they the got tools guide. for um regular folks to just say hey, you want to go to a spot just drop a little something something about some pamphlets and stuff like that. He's like, oh, <laughs> whoops, I dropped these here. I, I won't pick them up. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped these. Oh, I've, I've dropped all my papers. <laughs> it's all just union scenes. <laughs> oh, cool. well, I got to go. I like that. That's yeah. really exciting. Yeah. And that's so, yeah. Uh-huh. And that's the call to action. Sign up for Labor Notes. Support Ewok. Uh, get that out there. Like, whoever, you know, whoever in your life you think is apathetic about their job, send them towards Ewok. Yeah, workerorganizing.org. What I like about this is you can just hit join and you can, I don't know, there's a, there's a lot, of, you, there's a big ass button that just says get support. That's like, and there's support. Like, they'll huh. answer phone calls, emails, they'll send people down. That's absolutely wild. And this is nationwide. Dope. Well, I'm glad we got to talk about labor notes. Now that we've heard from Vic um, about how Labor Notes went, we're going to play uh, his speech that he gave, which is actually pretty interesting. So definitely tune in for that. Stick right. around. This is Jordan. And I'm Vic. And don't forget to ask yourself, wait, why am I talking? Get me, motherfucker, because I'm not coming back. This is the point from which I can never return. And if I back down now, then forever I burn. This is the point from which I can never retreat. Because if I turn back now, there can never be peace. This is the point from which I will die, succeed, live in the struggle. I know I'm alive when I bleed from now on. It can never be the same as before. Because the place that I'm from doesn't exist anymore. This is the point of no return, nigga. You better believe. Alrighty, next up, let me put my spectacles on. Yes, oh, <laughs> I know, get ready, another treat, y'all. You warmed up? We're going to turn up the heat a little bit. Victor the Mixer Boozy. Yeah, uh-huh. Vic Boozy works in a sound production in L.A., 
and is a member of the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, known as IA or IS, IATSE. Like our sister Marsha over here, Vic has been active on both the labor and community sides of the fight for racial and economic justice. Fighting for a better contract during last year's battle with the Hollywood Studios and being active in the Democratic Socialists of America chapter in Long Beach. And he told me this morning that he came here to Labor Notes, this is his first time, and didn't realize what a history lesson he was going to get. That is being active in the community, he didn't know our roots because who's teaching it out there? They are teaching it, but you just don't get to hear it. I want to thank our labor educators out there who are teaching labor history. Because a tree that's cut off from its roots will die. Please welcome Victor the Mixer Boozy. What's up, y'all? How's everybody doing out there? Uh, y'all know how this goes. Black lives, they matter here. Black lives, they matter here. Black lives, they matter here. Thank you all. All right, I'm going to start it off like this. This is the point from which I could never return. If I back down now, then forever I burn. This is the point from which I could never retreat. Because if I back down now, there can never be peace. This is the point from which I die and succeed. Living the struggle, I know I'm alive when I bleed. From now on, it could never be the same as before because the place I'm from doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. That's the hook, a.k.a. the chorus from a 2003 song called The Point of No Return by Immortal Technique, an underground rapper from New York City. All right, we'll get back to that. So... Back in like 2014, I was living my life, enjoying my life. I was working in Hollywood, following my career as a production sound mixer. I found myself on set in a place where I didn't see a lot of other black people. So I was living my life, making good money. Other mixers told me by being in a union could afford me to make even more money. So I did that. I got into the union. I started making even more money. And everything was going great. Everything was fine, living my life, you know, watching Netflix and chilling. But Bernard Sanders ran for president in 2016. I said Bernard Sanders ran for president in 2016. Come on. I, the reason that's so important to me because that activated me. Bernie spoke in language, in language that connected the dots of why society's ills were not being addressed. I knew growing up, shit was fucked up in this country. I knew it. We all knew it internally, but I didn't have the language to understand why, and I couldn't tell other people why shit was fucked up. I was a hope and change Democrat. <laughs> so, uh, after the 2016 campaign, Bernie inspired me. I was holding phone banks in my apartment. I was knocking on doors, canvassing in my neighborhood for Bernie Sanders. And, and doing that, like literally doing the work, changed me. It made me a different person. I was able to articulate things 
to regular quote-unquote normies and people in my community in ways I couldn't do before, right? So Bernie happened, 2016 happened. Then again, 2020, Bernie ran again. Of course, I again got activated, right? So in between, <laughs> in between 2016 and 2020, I had to do something to keep up my political education, to do something with this energy. So I joined the Democratic Socialists of America, Long Beach. I, 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 and at DSA, I was able to get that political education, the history about the labor movement and what that really meant and how to bring the theory into reality, praxis. And again, doing the actual work changed me, right? Okay, so now I'm in DSA, 2020 happens again, Bernie, so even this time again, I do more volunteering, more phone banking, and this time the campaign notices, and you know, they're calling me like a campaign captain and checking in on me, and I feel part of that organization. 2020, COVID hits everything gets shut down in my industry. I was working on a movie and that got shut down. And all of a sudden, we were all alienated as a country. My industry especially, we, we are known to be recession-proof. We make good money. We choose to when we want to work as freelancers. All of a sudden, all that was gone. So when I'm not working, I like to socialize. I couldn't socialize. None of us could socialize, right? So the alienation was even higher. Can't go to where you wanted to go. You can't go see your friends. You can't work. You can't make money. We're all stuck watching screens, indoors watching screens, watching screens, watching screens. And then we see the murder of George Floyd on those screens. Again, that changed me. Like, that murder changed me it changed a lot of us in here. And we saw it. We all saw it in the streets. All around the planet, people were marching for black lives. There was a racial reckoning happening in this country that none of us have seen in our lifetimes, point blank period. We've never seen anything like that. So my union puts out a statement about George Floyd. My local does, right? And then they start to get a little pushback from members, like, why is, why is this local talking about black lives? Like, that's not part of what this local does. So the leaders in my local reached out to the loud socialists in the room, and they were like, we need to do something. We don't want, we don't like the pushback, but we don't know what to do. My union is 80% white male. So they literally had no idea how to handle it. So they reached out to their black members and they asked them, what could we do? We held a couple town halls to express ourselves, to be like, yo, these are the problems that we're dealing with. And to put on those town halls, I had to organize. I had to reach out to other um, black sound mixers and come to realize after me too, there were the sound sisters who were organizing within my union and I had no idea.
So it's like these points of crisis that keeps happening in this country is an opportunity for us in a union to step up. Like the world was changing around me and step by step by step by me being in a union and gaining new skills, new relationships, I was able to put on the town hall for my union, express to the leaders in my union that I have value. The loud socialists in the room who were screaming about Bernie Sanders in 2016, who was telling y'all about the teachers union and what they're doing, and we need to be that active. Finally, these people were listening to me, right? And it was around the issues of racial justice. So be it. Cool. So now we come to 2021. This strike authorization vote. My union, IATSE, is in negotiations with AMPTA, which is the producers, the face of the producers versus us, the workers, right? During that, uh, in 2021, we had a meeting. And in my union meetings, there's usually like, you know, 30, 40 people. In this meeting in 2021, there were 500 members. So, COVID, lockdown, uprisings, now we're in union negotiations, again, the mixers, the people in my union were changed. They were pissed off. They didn't know what to do, but they were in a union and saw the union as a way to express themselves politically. That had never happened before. So, like, that's my story. From Bernie to DSA to organizing around racial justice in my union to now contract negotiations within my union. And again, I was the person writing the scripts, writing the phone banking scripts, and telling them, I told y'all, I told y'all, this is what we need to do to be active, to push back, and now they seem to get it. Alright, so to conclude, this is the point of no return, right? The liberation of black folks, this is the point of no return. Like climate change, this is the point of no return. To work, like the liberation of black people comes through organized workers to push back against the system. And that's just the way it goes. Alright? So yo. I'm not looking for blood in the streets, nah, but I'm looking for a revolution. A revolution that's going to change, a revolution that's going to be led by workers, all right? So last time, Black Lives, they matter, yeah? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Whoa, Victor the Mixer Boozer. Thank you very much, Vic. Thank you.